0: All right, welcome to a special bonus presentation of the Motor City Metrics podcast here at TigersMLReport.com. I am Rojo Castillo, alongside me is Chris Brown, and in case you missed the show yesterday, Chris is still in Christmas theme. He is a Christmas tree. The background's you, all Christmas, so as uh, we said yesterday, and we still haven't put the— so I was going to put the podcast up this morning, and as I'm going to do that, then the news of Shelby Miller broke out, but more importantly— the Yamamoto news yesterday as the Dodgers spent 325 million dollars 12 as a 12 year deal was it a 12 year deal is that what it was
1: 12 years 325 million uh since then you know there there were reports of an op, or um a, a signing bonus which a 50 million dollar signing bonus to be paid next year uh I don't understand I I honestly don't know how this works in baseball if that goes to the salary or uh, like they're their luxury tax. Uh, I don't know how it works, but there's also a couple of opt outs apparently after six years and eight years. So, but yeah, the Dodgers, uh, people kept pointing out, you know, the Dodgers have, have uh, you know, allocated over a billion dollars this offseason to pe- players, which is kind of wild.
0: Yeah. And it was, I'm trying to think of this too. I don't see, it's not often a player, baseball players get signed bonuses, right? I mean, that's, that's a, that has to be like something rare, correct?
1: Yeah. I – I don't remember it happening very often at all. I remember, you know, maybe a small signing bonus here or there, but certainly not like 50 million. That, I don't know. I mean, that feels more like what they do in salary cap leagues, right? Where they give yeah. somebody a huge signing bonus to le- le- lessen the cap hit. I didn't, maybe that's the same thing in baseball that they're, that's a one-time fee for them and they can handle it this year. And then they get out from under the luxury tax next year. I don't, I don't know, but certainly a ton of money for a guy who's never thrown a pitch in a big league game it's uh you know it's not quite as risky as it was 10 12 20 40 years ago right when guys they didn't have the pitch data on these guys like somebody like dice k right who had all this hype and came over and was okay for one he had a pretty good year actually and then was okay for a little while and that was it but yeah it's a huge very long deal for a pitcher too i think it's only uh the second or third deal for a pitcher that's in double-digit years?
0: Yeah, sounds um, like a New York Islanders goalie contract.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, who was the, <laughs> what was the one kid?
0: Rick Dier- 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 Petro that's what I was thinking of.
1: Didn't they do that with Montoya as well?
0: I think they did. I can't remember. Or I think they did with a Russian winger, too, I
1: believe. Well, yeah, I mean, this is yeah hockey talk. But, yeah, I mean, that was – we assumed that it was coming down to – Yankees or the Dodgers and it sounded like those teams all made roughly similar offers and uh, he picked the Dodgers, which is, you know, it's one of those things where it's, it's very fun uh, just to see all this talent go to one place. And it's, I'm sure it's, it's frustrating for all the other fans, but uh, I just try to remind people that it's baseball, right? It doesn't matter. You could, you know, all that talent helps you get to where you need to be. But uh, that doesn't mean that they're going to win, you know, three games out of five in the National League Division Series. It just, it baseball's weird like that. So, yeah, I don't. Don't despair if because uh, <laughs> the Tigers didn't sign Yamamoto. I mean, it was never going to happen. But, um, uh, yeah, so, Elton, you to watch your pitch.
0: Yeah, but by the way, Elton, thank you so much for the twenty dollars, man. For trip, oh, maybe I do not even know to you were Happy holidays. Thank you, Exclusive. Elton. I... We're just talking about Elton the other day because he may he uh, left some uh, feedback. On yeah. our podcast with Ryan garko so yeah, thanks, Elton. Good to see you in here too as well. It's been a while. Yeah.
1: I had no but, idea this was live.
0: Oh yeah i I just changed it. I changed my mind last second and put it live because no, so I just wanted to, yeah.
1: So, got yeah, some people. Very, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's uh, I mean that was that was relatively big news, but obviously uh, we we wouldn't have done uh, a little bonus pod if not for the Shelby Miller news, which is relatively small news, but it is Tiger's news and uh here we are
0: yeah and he has something in common that jerry uh, or data wizard from tiger report was talking about extension his tech his extensions well among the 97 percentile which is what profiles well with with tigers some of tiger pictures he mentioned in his tweet and uh oh stando look at that thank you very much for the 1999 exquisite off the Frickers building. I'm sorry, I haven't played that in a long time, and I've been wanting to I find an excuse to off the Frickers building. But I know Stan prefers the smooth, dulcet tones of one Dan Hasey. So thank you very much. We're really, honestly, much appreciated. So, yeah, there's a he. So the next thing up too where you look at gives them an arm in the bullpen, coming off a really good year and just kind of in, in 42 innings pitched, posted in an ERA of 1.71 had a strikeout rate or strikeout rate of just 25%, which is right above the league average. The walks were a little bit concerning, but there's enough there with that. The split finger set up his fastball pretty well, and they go along with the slider. So this is something where I think they can optimize them well. And you put that with Chafin in the bullpen, and then you got some bullpen battles to talk about here. So you got Wentz, you have Faieto you have to think about, there's a lot of entry going into spring champ. And by the way, to make room for this for, in order for Shelby Miller to be on the roster, Tigers let go or DFA'd Donnie Sands, Donnie Sands.
1: Yeah. You know, before they announced who they, the corresponding roster move was, I was going through the 40 man and I was like, wow, there's really only like three guys that I can see that they might want to part ways with. Mm-hmm. And, and Sands was the one that the first one I picked out, but, uh, that's, I it Just kind of goes to show you that the, the depth that they're building. Um, uh, now some of the, some other people were probably happy to move on from other players, but, uh, there were only three that I thought that were going to go and, and Tyler Evans survives again. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's good for, good for him, but it, yeah, so they've, I mean, we just mentioned it last night, right? Like, like from Scott Harris's comments, it sounded like they were done with starting pitching, but they may have added a, may add another reliever. I just didn't think it would happen this quickly. Um, and it's what, $3 million deal, three and a half, was it, um, with, with a club option for next year, if, if things go well. So, and it's funny, you know, Shelby Miller's a guy I remember way back, he was in the same draft class as Jacob Turner,
0: a high school, and and they
1: were, yeah, they were both high school right-handed pitchers. And it was like, Oh, let's see, it'll be interesting. And they both ended up like top 25, top 30 prospects. And it was, uh, and it was like, okay, who's going to do better. And, uh, you know, Shelby Miller got off to a hot start. Um, and then kind of in his career, just kind of petered out. I remember he was uh, he was involved in the Jason Hayward trade from St. Louis to Atlanta. And then Atlanta, he actually had, I was just looking this up, arguably one of the, the most unlucky pitching seasons of the 21st century, uh, at least in terms of pitcher wins, which we you know we don't care that much about. But in that year in Atlanta, he he uh, had a 3.02 ERA over 200 plus innings and went six and 17. And I could only find two other pitchers this century uh, who who had a, uh, a season with 200 plus innings and ERA of 3.1 or under and not at least 10 wins. So <laughs> he just got kind of screwed that one year. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, you know, then you know he was involved in the very controversial, I don't know, controversial, more infamous trade from Atlanta to arizona right that ended up getting uh getting atlanta the first overall pick in the draft Dancy swanson because arizona was trying to cut money that was when tony la russa was over there running things into the ground
0: oh yeah and right. uh was it dave stewart yeah, was there too right
1: yeah dave stewart was the gm and tony la russa was the president or whatever and they traded bronson arroyo and dansby swanson i think for shelby miller to to like you know cut salary and uh yeah it was it was pretty rough. Um, but, and then, you know, Miller didn't do a whole lot for like three or four years. It was actually really rough. And then last year, as you said, you caught on with the Dodgers and, you know, they they had him pitching at the end of games, eighth inning, ninth inning, uh, not necessarily closing games very often, but, uh, but he's another arm the Tigers can use there in the seventh, eighth or ninth inning. So that's, it adds some nice depth to the, the bullpen for sure.
0: And most importantly, too, one of the things, too, that it gives to a veteran arm, and it, it's a good way to matchups for Agent Hinch, too. By the way, old BK wanted to know, in terms of the $50 million was paid to his Japanese club. So, it is, they're also on the hook for a posting fee around $50 million. The deal includes a $50 million signing bonus.
1: So, yeah, we were trying to figure this out last night cuz I was like, I know there's a 50,000 a $50 million posting fee and I'm like really a signing bonus too and and yes, apparently a, a $50 million signing bonus. So uh and it sounds like the deal is kind of backloaded. So yeah, uh, yeah I don't know. And the Dodgers uh they're just uh well, they've got the money and it's good for them, right? And it's we talked about this this was kind of the fear when Friedman went over there, right? they would be spending like the Dodgers and developing like the Rays and that's come to pass. Now, the, the wild thing is they have, despite all the talent that they now have in their rotation, uh, it's, it's incredibly injured, right? Like Walker Buehler's coming back from his second TJ. Otani is not going to pitch this year, but he's going to have two TJs. Um, Dustin may had at least one TJ and another fairly significant arm injury. Uh, Yamamoto isn't injured, but he hasn't thrown any pitches in the U S Glasnow is never healthy. Um, so it's, it's going to have, they're going to be nasty. It's just like, are they going to ever pitch at the same time? I don't know.
0: I worry. I, I think the Dodgers' depth is a little kind of, I don't think it's as deep as, but then again, just judging how their farm system goes, they can, they seemingly can develop pitching pretty well. And it, you know, it's funny too, Chris. You're talking about, you're, you're
1: mentioning Wayne Garland,
0: right? Is that who you were mentioning earlier?
1: Uh, he was one of the, I think that maybe he's the only other one with a double, like, yeah, he's year a, 10 yeah.
0: years and 2.3 million 77. Check out the, again, this is where I love uh, well old baseball pictures always crack me up. Check out the mustache and hair on this guy. Wayne Garland, look at that guy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> at that. Like, yeah, that's like Frank Viola style. Yeah. Definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. Right.
0: Good, good, good call there, Frank Viola. Yeah, right there. So that's uh, Wayne Garland. I mean, and also I like that Cleveland C. I'm su- surprised they don't use that C more often. So, oh, oh thank you, uh, Chris uh, Walter is a big fan of the hat, by the way. So,
1: oh, thank you. Yeah, I wore, I wore it yesterday. I thought we might splice this video together. Yeah. No, okay. we're gonna Sorry. we're gonna
0: we're gonna we're gonna splice the podcast together, and then the video will be on its own separate thing. So. But uh yeah it's it, it, the thing about this too, heading into the holiday season I still think there somebody mentioned in the chat earlier about a possible trade I still think there's something in the works I just I keep I said that yesterday but here's the thing you have another army added now you have a surplus of veteran arms and who knows maybe they might may move Went or Fiedo for something else I I don't know because I think they're still listening to those things. And I'm surprised probably next week, we're going to probably see the other dominoes fall with the rest of the pre-agent pitchers going probably hopefully by the second week of January, we'll see or between now and the second week of January, a fury of activities because starting January 1st, t- teams can start talking to players again.
1: Yeah. The, the minor leaguers too, right? Yeah. Minor yeah. leaguers correct. The, yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I you know. I was, I was just trying to kind of game out their, uh, uh, how the pitching is going to line up. Now, you know we always talk about you. Know, you, you, you get the depth, and then any overage issues usually work themselves out, right? And you know it's just unfortunate nature of of pitching is that some guys are just going to get hurt. Uh, but you know, we've talked a bunch about the rotation. But I was looking at the bullpen. I'm like, okay, so so you got you got Lang and Foley. You feel pretty good about your eight nine sort of guys, right? And then Chafin, you add him to the mix. Miller may pitch a little bit in the late innings so that's four uh holton was great last year so you you have to assume that he's got a spot pretty well locked down uh, you, you don't know i guess but so that's that's five guys you got three more spots uh so it's uh yeah i mean, i'm trying to think do i have that wrong do i have no i'm going to the depth I'm,
0: I'm pulling up the depth chart right now Fangrass. Yeah. so we can best yeah, so
1: oh best the, thank you yeah uh, he mentioned but yeah but I, so i i count Vest among the people who are going to be competing for those last spots, Vest and brisky and Diaz and Faito and Wentz. And uh, who knows, maybe one of the starters, maybe Olson or Sawyer Gibson long or Manning or, or Mize, maybe some of those guys just kind of begin the year as a long reliever just to get, you know, manage their innings a little bit.
0: Yeah. Let's take a look so at you know the. the get, it, yeah. So here's what the rotate. Go ahead, Chris.
1: No, yeah, you're, you're looking at it. So let's go for it.
0: So we're looking at so the rotation looks like right now you have Schubel, Flaherty, Maeda, Manning, and Olson, as according to Fangraphs. And then you have the bull. Here's where the bullpen gets interesting. You have Lang, Foley, Vest, Chafin, Miller, Holton, Diaz, and Wentz. But I still think if you if you go, if, here's here's a name that I'm going to go down for the, as far as a potential bullpen arm. Red and white has a good chance mm-hmm. to come back and, and get a spot. I think he's going to have a good, he has a good possibility. Another guy to look out for Pacheco, maybe in later in the year, but at yeah. the start the start of the season, if I'm going to totally focus just on the start of the season, this man right here, Tanner Cole, Heap. we've been a big fan of him. He's, he was on our list. He's been on the list twice now in the last uh, two versions of our list. And Mize you know what? OBK I think I'm going to wait to see what, what Mize does in the spring cuz he might need some seasoning down in I uh, see if I think he has a see if he has a minor league option. Um he has minor he does have a minor league option. So, they could start the season. I could see him starting the season in Toledo if he's not 100%. So, but I mean, if according to all accounts he is 100%, so I mean, look, I mean, this is how Fangrass has them too, but I, I personally think that they might do that just based on to just give him the op- the opportunity to get some innings and underneath his belt first.
1: Yeah, sorry. sorry, my dog's going crazy here. My mother-in-law has just run some cabinets. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I, I think given that they're paying Miller $3 million or whatever, it's kind of the this, the bullpen version of Flaherty, right? Yeah. We, we assume that he's got a job locked up because um, if he doesn't, he's a free agent. Uh, but, uh, yeah, there'll, there'll be some competition in spring. And then that's not to mention even guys like Montero and Flores and Madden, who will, I'm sure get some innings in the spring. Um, Montero and Flores being on the, the 40 man makes it, you know, more likely for them. But, um, yeah, I, I, the Tigers are slowly, but surely improving their depth with big league quality talent. And it's, uh, I'm with you though. I feel like that the, they do need to do something on offense at some point other than, than Marcana, but
0: I just don't, I just don't see that. I just don't see that being the only thing they do offensively. I just don't. I really, it, it's just the way they've been moving the roster slowly, but surely kind of thing. It's, it, I don't know. I, I really don't see that being an alternative. So the contract, by the way, was for $3 million. I believe it was correct, Chris.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. One year with the yeah, yeah. with the option for next year. So yeah. I, again, I, I know some people saw the Yamamoto deal and were just like, can every team can spend that money?" There's a lot of people saying that teams can spend that money, but again, I, I just they,
1: they can. I mean, it's twenty yeah. seven, twenty seven, twenty eight million dollars a year. Right? I mean, that's less than the Tigers were paying Miguel Cabrera. It's it's not that much more than they're paying Javi Baez, right? They they could. It's in situations like that though. It's it's this is up to the player. Uh, Yamamoto. Didn't want to come to Detroit. No matter they, I mean, they could offer him four hundred million dollars, and it might not have mattered. So, but. you
0: know, Elton brings up a good question about Solaire. Um, about another power,
1: yeah. we was this Solaire? I, you know, I like the
0: idea, but go ahead, Chris.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, when you brought it up, I was like, well, yeah, that might be fun. Um, and and he was, he came up as a cub, so Scott Harris was there. They may have some familiarity with him. The, the only issue is that. I just, I don't get the feeling that Scott Harris wants to make any multi-year, uh, you know, anything more than like two years on a commitment to anybody. All these deals have been one year. The Day deal was two years. When they were in San Francisco, I don't think he made a deal more than three years. It's just something, it seems like he doesn't like doing that. He's so, he's sort of the the uh, real life uh, roster constructor version of the, the the person in your fantasy league who just streams players constantly. It's always cutting people and adding them and cutting them and adding them and until every now and then they get lucky with a, a good player. So uh, maybe as the offseason continues and and maybe Soler hasn't been getting any good offers, maybe they can get him for a short-term deal. Uh, but he is kind of a DH who can, you know, survive in the outfield. And that's just always tough when when you also have you got you're gonna you try to get at bats from Malloy, you want to get Carpenter some DH time. You want to get torque off his feet every now and then. I, I just, uh, I mean, I wouldn't hate it if they're, they're going for it, they're going for it, but uh, maybe let him sign somewhere else and then trade for him at the deadline.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that, that would be a suitable solution. If they're going to address, we're, we were talking about this last night a little bit about third base and how they were going to address their base as far as like a tradable solution. And we brought up some ideas we didn't really go into the outfield for this, but I mean, so Larry, they, if they could, if you look at the situation right now with Riley green, coming back from injury, you want to make sure that you have him out there as much as possible. And if he's going to be playing quite a bit, you maybe watch his playing time a little bit. Cause you want to make sure he's hundred percent healthy. So that being said, if you're looking at options down in the minor leagues, justice, baby still needs to spend a little more time in Toledo you have Malloy you could bring in there. And, and I think there's enough solutions there. Perhaps they could give it a try, but if they want to go with the veteran bat, like maybe a bat that has something to improve. Like we talked about this last week, an Andre Dawson type deal where it's somebody who's like, Hey, I'm going to come in and
1: I'm not sure if he can still play, but I like it.
0: Yeah. That'd be sweet. If it was, it was actually Andre Dawson from <laughs> his prime in his Montreal expo's prime days. Man, that guy was, man, he was just, he was huge too. Like compared to everybody else on the field, like, I see old clips and him running third over like Ron say, Ron say is like, you know, like me England. out there. And yeah, and Dawson's like this massive man just running by him. Um, yeah. But Tim Anderson, yeah, Tim Anderson hasn't signed anywhere either. He, that, by the way, there's been no, it's been virtually dead quiet on Tim Anderson. There's been nothing, I nothing like there's nothing in some of the Slack channels I've I talked to, nobody.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I, I know I would, there are a few players who it would shock me more uh, if the Tiger signed than Tim Anderson, just because of what we, we know about Scott Harris and his, you know, dominate the strike zone mantra. And Tim Anderson is one of the few people in baseball who walks less than Javi Baez. Um Now the, the, he's, you know, a more talented natural hitter than Javi Baez, but he's coming off a couple of rough years and I just, I, I wouldn't see it. He seems like a candidate to go to, I, I don't know, maybe a team that's not, like a Royals or something like that, right? Like they just sign them uh, to a, a short-term deal. And maybe if they get them going, right, they can trade them. Although the Royals seem to be going for it now too. So I don't know, maybe, maybe to Cleveland. Yeah. There
0: was a, uh, there been a rumor that the, it was reported that the Giants are looking for a shortstop. And of course, everybody was suggesting oh, yeah. on social, the likes of bias. Uh, Stan has a really good question in terms of how much of a difference is going to 2024 for the Tigers. And it was going to the 2023 with the projected roster. I can say that I can say this with confidence that they have a better idea what they have in the farm system. And some of the surprises we saw last year or this year, heading to 24, like the likes of Montero, when heading into 2020, heading into 2023 last year, I, I, I think you and I both said this, we were skeptical about the tigers pitching death to a certain extent. We, we, I assume that brisky might've been a back end of the starter. Garrett Hill would rebound back because once he figured out his hands, his motion Mm. that he was going to be come back and be effective. But other than that, I thought the depth was a little, I was kind of, I was a little worried about the depth bat wise too. same thing. We weren't sure what was going to happen with Cole Keith. He was going to take another step forward or not. They really, to me last year, heading into heading into last year, they didn't have anybody ready in the minors that can play on an everyday basis. Now they have at least, four, maybe five, if I'm being generous, if you're talking, so if you're talking or at some point in the major league season, who's, go, who's ready to go spring training? Cole Keith is. I think Cole Keith is probably going to be the, the guy who would go to spring training, maybe Malloy, depending on how he starts off. But at some point, you can see positional players that are not just pitchers. So you can see Young maybe at some point. Maybe Bigby gets going again. Maybe Bigby gets some time. There's four or five players in the minor leagues that could, you can could see sometime that are not pitchers, and that's, I think, the big difference.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I guess uh, on the surface it feels um, I'm more optimistic this year or for the next season than I was for last year, but, I mean, when you look at the roster, it's not really all that different. You know, last year they had Eduardo Rodriguez. He's gone, but you can kind of put Scooble in that same spot. Like, I think Scooble has uh, more upside, but we haven't seen it over a full season yet. Uh, so that would be nice. And, you know, they, they had kind of a breakout campaign from Jake Rogers, Torkelson hit 30 home runs. So I think, you know, that, that makes you feel better about the, both of those guys heading into this year. Canna is a solid veteran, You you know, it, maybe it sounds silly, but I remember going into last year thinking like, okay, well, maybe Jonathan scope has a chance to turn it around. And then it just, you know, fell on his face again. Um, we don't really know what to expect from Javi. Parker Meadows, I think, is, is a nice kind of overall upgrade for the outfield. But yeah, I remember being fairly optimistic about Veerling and Maton heading into last year. And, and that kind of, I mean, Maton fell on his face, unfortunately. And, and Veerling was, you know, played all year long, was okay. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know if all these moves uh, necessarily move the needle a ton for me. But to Roger's point, I think he's right that that there's more help closer now that, that can. Make you feel a little bit better about what they might do this year.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I really think is for example, the, the in terms of like the upgrade on as far as like bullpen goes too. Same thing, like we saw what the Jason, we knew that Jason Foley was going to take another step forward last year based off some of the things that he was doing towards the end of the year. It's one of those things where I, I think if I look at it with the, the signs of Flaherty. And the likes of uh, Maeda, it gives less. It provides less stress for the Tigers to bring up a guy like Montero, put all that pressure on Montero, or even for that matter, Mize. Because I think the reason why they're signing is relatively simple. As much as we can sit here and say, in every article, that Mize is like, I'm feeling better, I'm feeling good, until he goes out there and goes against live competition, it is literally no. a crapshoot. And there's just you just can't sit here and rest on your. The Tigers just can't rest there and go well. We think it might work out but it's with, with injuries like that you never know
1: yeah there, there's uh, i mean there's the question marks heading into every season but again we, the, the tigers have done a good job here i think of of making that depth uh just increasing the depth to where you know if somebody goes down you've got another person who's got big league experience and, and who you trust like if, if brennan white will probably start the year in toledo uh but you could. Uh, we've seen him pitch in the big leagues, and and he's got the stuff to do it. So that's uh, that's not a bad place to be on the pitching side. Again, we just kind of need to see a little bit more of that on offense. But that's just kind of the way the nature of of, of this offseason was: is that there aren't this overabundance of useful position players, and there there was a solid crop of pitching. So they've gone on and got the the solid crop of pitching instead. So
0: Walter had a question in regards to the Garco interview and. <laughs> He says, in response to the Gargoyle review, how the F did the previous staff not have translators for the young kids to come up? That seems like a no-brainer for development. I knew it was bad, but that was shocking to me. You know, Walter, that's, I, I thought the same thing because Avila being Cuban and bilingual, you would think that would be something set up and in, in, in there. But in reality, I from being down there in the press box, Carlos Gian is the only one. Who not not that Carlos Game, but the Carlos Game for the Tigers, who is the coordinator? Who does he also did play by play this year? Um mm-hmm. This year with Barbara Garbet. he did a really good job. And
1: it was for the Fiesta Tigres?
0: Yeah, for the Fiesta Well, he also yeah. did like did, did like ten games on AM this year too. Oh. So, oh
1: nice.
0: Yeah, it was nice. So it was actually cool to see that. It was cool. It was cool to hear that. But honestly, it, it, it astonishes me because you would think. And remember, remember I told you I saw the, the gang of khaki pants everywhere in Lakeland? Like, mm-hmm. not a lot of them, from my understanding, spoke Spanish. Carlos was, when I talked to Wilmer Flores, when I talked to Christian Santana, it was Carlos Santana, or it was Carlos Guillen being the main man. So hopefully, I'm hoping that they, they change it up a little bit, but I think, no, I, and, and I, it's no, it, I don't think it's a detriment to Garko either, but I, I just think that maybe things were still set in a certain way that Garko, all Garko did, did go, oh, we're not using common sense? Boom. Here we go.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's just another, uh, like, sort of tick in the box of we talked about it before, that, that the minor leagues for the longest time was just kind of survival of the fittest. Like, they would just throw you out there naked in the wilderness, and if you made it through, they thought you had what it takes uh, to pitch in the big leagues or play in the big leagues. Like, they didn't care about their nutrition or their sleep or any of that stuff. You know, comforts, they don't, they just didn't seem to care. Uh, and we've heard plenty of stories of uh, Latino kids who don't even know how to like order food in in America and, you know, they're on their own and they have no idea what to do. And, and organizations just haven't cared that much. And, you know, in the in the last decade or so, there's definitely been more translators and things like that. But it's one thing to kind of translate while you're talking to somebody. It's another thing to be able to like translate instructions and, and you know, this is what you're doing in the offseason have a written translations available for those guys and, and being able to answer questions and stuff and it does seem ridiculous that they didn't have that before but it's not surprising based on how little I mean you know we just just recently started paying minor leaguers a living wage right like things things haven't been great down there as much as we uh you know people argue about that right like oh you're playing a game but you know if you're making below minimum wage it's uh, it's tough to survive but yeah, only only recently have they started caring about the minors. So that's, I think that's the answer there. And it's not the Tigers alone, right? This is right. all across baseball.
0: I mean, look at the Angels situation. I mean, the Angels yeah. were – when the, those reports came out a few years back about how there's four or five guys to one room and, and the living situations were deplorable. So it, yeah. it goes across the way, and I think Oakland was involved in that too. To So – yeah, I, I think the Tigers. What they're doing now is if where people don't uh, again, they're they're building another dorm. I remember Bert, Ben Verlander was complaining about it. It's something about like well, first and foremost, you're just humble bragging that you were in there in the first. Place. He got
1: very sick in there, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. Yep. I think he was just trying to humble brag, like oh, yeah, I was it was there. But um, no, it's some of these things. Like I said, it goes back to the days of Randy Smith. Randy Smith started like started the groundwork to a certain extent of updating things. And it's taken this long for the Tigers to be modernized in a way that teams have been modernized for a long time. You think about, we mentioned the Dodgers earlier, Dodgers have been stream, like streamlining these things in Latin America and all over since the seventies, the pirates, even the pirates right now who are being mentioned for that Cuban pitcher, uh, Rodriguez, the Pirates are still, mm-hmm. like, they're making inroads in Taiwan. They have a certain uh, flavor going on in Southeastern Asia. And this is, a, this is a, I mean, their they're owner is notoriously cheap. But they had their imprint. They were the same thing in the 70s, too. There's teams out there that, excuse me, that have been doing this for a long time. I mean, like, case in point, too. Remember when we went to South Bend, Chris, and you heard what, when we were with Charlie and Charlie was telling us how much the Cubs were in involvement yeah. of that stadium and in getting their input into it and what they were looking for development wise.
1: Yeah. They, they like revamped the entire thing to make it look more like Wrigley or, you know, the, the brick match Wrigley or whatever. So yeah, it, you know, just to sometimes it's how much the, the parent club is involved.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and right now with Lakeland, the Tigers are trying to get heavily more involved in Lakeland and investing themselves is kind of like, like Town has always been, Tigerstown Town's always been there, but they're putting more into it. There's more of a, of a structure to it. And so that's, I think it's going to continue. And so, yeah, it, it, even with, like, for example, like with West Michigan, if the white caps I look at, like I look at West Michigan for a second, let's talk about that for the, the Western side of the state is primed for having some good, like, for example Wisconsin they have an indoor baseball facility yet they don't have no team in the big ten so so weird to me yeah but I think if you look at the look, look at the western side of the state and this is just my opinion I I am totally I, I guess you know what you could do eventually down the line is let's say you work with West Michigan and have like a, maybe an indoor facility have an indoor facility there's plenty of land out there have a nice huge indoor facility for baseball because those are starting to become big we see that one by your house, Chris, the one that we've gone to that's really a really impressive facility that they had the
1: legacy
0: yeah the legacy and they had the i ninety four baseball league that we got yeah that was really that you know, cool. yeah, was, re- was really cool and to have it that close and that's like in the you know, right in the halfway point before you before you get to Lansing i I would think a good idea is to put something in between Lansing and Grand Rapids a baseball facility that could be semi pro or for even for the colleges whatever that would facilitate this and you could have like your own driveline in Michigan, but just in a bigger scale, and the Tigers could do experiment. I mean, they could do an experiment. I mean, they may have like guys in battle tanks from star Wars. everybody gets that random star Wars reference, but, or whatever they want to do. And I, I, I think if, if the Tigers, if they work with somebody else in another organization with that, I could see that that would be, they will, I think it'd be a cool opportunity to really get into player development and really kind of dig in.
1: Yeah, you know, but they would might want to just keep it quiet and in-house. You never know. Like, True. It's, you know, people want, if they find any sort of competitive advantage, they don't want to share it. But.
0: Yeah, I I wouldn't want them either. But the way, I mean, if you look at the White Sox, whether they're going to be in Chicago long-term or not, I mean, the Cubs are, the, that's what the Cubs are doing in South Bend, though. The Cubs are doing a lot of that. During COVID, they were doing a lot of, they were using that as their facility. And so I could totally see if the Tigers, I mean, Lakeland's a perfect opportunity because of weather. But then, what sucks is the second half of the year during the summer it rains like it was it wasn't didn't seem that bad as it was, but it, it seems like there's like almost two weeks worth of games guaranteed that it'll be canceled in august almost seems like so well I mean, I don't know i mean the the west side of the state's not that much better, but at any rate, I think we are i think we covered everything that we wanted to cover today there was beyond that. Yamamoto news. We talked about a little bit. We talked about Miller and then there was a, there was a stat here by Jerry. I wanted to post real quick. Shelly Miller had nine games, which a leverage index was my greater or less than one. When he entered, he ended up with an RE 2024 20, of four, four, seven in those nine games. So you want to explain to folks at home what RE 24 is Chris? Cause you're a big fan of the stat. Uh,
1: so that one is, is a yeah, run expectancy based on the 24 base outstates. Uh, it, it's basically like the analytics equivalent of RBIs for hitters if you will so uh, how many more runs you uh, allowed or in that case uh, how much how many more runs better you were than expected uh, in those situations and so he was yeah he was four runs better in those nine games which is pretty good uh, yeah and over the, over that time span 8.2 innings era 0.96 uh
0: 9 Ks with a strikeout rate of 28.1 and just two walks so he held it down but uh yeah so we're gonna add this to the podcast there's gonna be two separate things to it and so thanks so much for tuning in we appreciate it and uh yeah if the type, we we hope this is the last pot of the year we don't know (laughs) yeah we we said that yesterday and so but uh yeah if there's anything that, that does happen next week if there's a big trade we'll be on we'll be on top of it and let you guys know until then have a Merry Christmas or whatever holidays you do celebrate. I like to say Merry Christmas and Happy Holidays and all that stuff. And so um, I appreciate, again, much appreciated. We will talk to you next week. Well, maybe we'll talk to you next week. Who knows? Otherwise, uh, we'll have some surprises for 2024. I also got a, Chris, I got some, I got an email that I was telling Chris about earlier. That was a little weird. But, um, and then other than that, there's some other surprises for 2024. So thanks, guys. Have a good one.
1: Happy Holidays.
0: Happy holidays.